Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Passionate about standing up for all Canadians. The Roy Green Show continues. So it was an interesting uh, situation before the uh, U.S. Congress when Mark Zuckerberg testified before the, um, in some cases, octogenarian members of the, uh, the Congress who asked some, I thought, reasonable questions, important questions to ask. Well, there were times when obviously they were generationally separate. But the issue is of such huge importance. We're going to talk about that meeting and Mr. Zuckerberg's testimony. Have a listen to this. We are, have made and are continuing to make changes to reduce the amount of no, data. Are you that- willing to change your business model in the interest of protecting individual privacy? Congresswoman, I'm not sure what that means. And then there was the senator from Illinois, Dick Durbin, who tried to impress on Mr. Zuckerberg the need for some private information to remain exactly that private, and there's some 87 million people and their information that was in play. Have a listen to that. Would you be comfortable sharing with us the name of the hotel you stayed in last night? Um, uh, no. If you've messaged anybody this week, would you share with us the names of the people you've messaged? Uh, Senator, no, I would probably not choose to do that publicly here. I think that may be what this is all about. And maybe that is what it was all about. Joining me is David Fraser, Internet security expert, lawyer, partner at McKenna Scooper in Halifax and the founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog. David, uh, thank you as always for coming on the program and speaking about these issues in language even I can understand. Was that question that, uh, that Senator Durbin asked one of the more relevant questions to be asked? Uh Certainly, I think it was on point for a senator to be asking in, a, in an environment where many of the statements that are made in, in something like that are intended to score political points and, and maybe a little bit of a little bit of grandstanding. But it certainly does uh, kind of cut to part of the issue, which is how comfortable are people sharing their, their information with, uh, with other people uh, and outside of what they would probably consider to be their comfort zone, which I think is one of the key questions that has really come up in connection with all of this, uh, particularly when the revelations about Cambridge Analytica have shown a, a system that would allow the collection of information about friends of friends without those people being involved. is one thing for somebody to choose to take a quiz, now assuming that they're not lied to, as, as appears to be the case, but take a quiz and provide their information to somebody. That's their information, and they get to choose whether or not to provide it. 
but having other people's information sucked up into that system without that person's involvement or choice, that, that to me is something that's, uh, that's troubling and problematic. Yeah, and you know, sometimes people will find themselves in a hurry to sign something. They want to get something done. And then there's the, they have to sign here, sign here, initial there, initial there. And some of it has to do with privacy policies. Some of it has to do with company policies. Some of it has to do with information shared with third parties. And you don't really know what it's about, but you're in a hurry. You want to get out of there. You want to get the deal done, and then you sign it. And it's only later that you may find out that, whoa, uh, I should have read this. And so this is the, this is the high-tech version of the paper contract. Um, so so uh, what did the congressional testimony of Mark Zuckerberg ultimately serve to provide? Did we get a real sense of just how much Cambridge Analytica had in its bank as far as private information of citizens is concerned? Well, I don't think it really had to do with the information that was disseminated during the questioning. Uh, I don't think, for at least for those who have been paying close attention uh, to social media and to Facebook for some time, and, and particularly these more recent re- revelations, there wasn't anything that was new that was learned. But I think that the significance of it really has to do with the fact that he was dragged in front of a congressional uh, committee for two full days uh, and was grilled and um, it's pretty clear to me that that the um, unease that a large number of people have with what has been going on was clearly communicated, and it I think it forces a, a bit of a, a rethink whether or not that actually happens because, of course, Facebook has been admonished for certain practices in the past and has kind of half apologized and have repeatedly said that they need to do better, um, and certainly I, I think incrementally they have, but whether or not this is the tipping point that will force them to make significant changes. I think it probably will be. I, I don't think they've ever faced this level of scrutiny. We, we not only have this congressional investigation, we have the, the information commissioner of the United Kingdom uh, pursuing this strongly. We have uh, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, as I understand, and a number of attorneys general in the states. We have the Australian Privacy Commissioner. We also have our Privacy Commissioner, federally and in British Columbia, who are going after this. So certainly they are hearing it from all sides. And uh, this that the two days of testimony may be over, but these investigations are not, and they're going to continue for some time. And I think we're probably going to see a number of very specific recommendations, if not demands, made to Facebook by those regulators uh, in order to uh, to change their practices and, and to prevent this sort of thing from happening again. I received an email from a friend, and his point was, Facebook is so big, so powerful, so well-connected, that it really is immune. It'll be on the hot seat for a couple of days, and then they'll go back to doing things the way they've always done them, or maybe they'll adjust things a little bit, but they are essentially immune. And then I got to thinking about Brian Acton, the co-founder of WhatsApp, and other big tech names were urging users to hashtag delete Facebook on Twitter. And I was wondering, if is there any stomach for this sort of action by the general public? Um, social media are addictive, and maybe to billions of people daily, so I guess a two-part question. Is Facebook essentially immune, and would there be any appetite, regardless of what has happened, that to, that to create the need for these congressional uh, hearings? Is there enough of an appetite to uh, back off Facebook and maybe other social media platforms out there, or is it just, you know, it's, it's an addiction? Well, certainly, and, and that's one of the things that's going to be scrutinized, is the, I think, is the addictive nature of these uh, services. There certainly have been a number of people speaking about 
the fact that a lot of the information that's collected about how people use these use these services and applications is intended to make them as addictive as possible. Now, they don't use that sort of terminology. They they assume that, hey, the more time people spend on Facebook, the more that's an indication of how much they like it rather than the kind of the, the kind of uh, people who are just kind of looking for likes and, and get some sort of positive feedback reinforcement loop. Um, I think it would be difficult for, certainly I wasn't prepared to delete my Facebook account. I still find I get something of value from it in terms of the, the connections that I have with friends near and far. Um, but certainly it's prompted thinking about this, and it, is, it has become, some people have characterized it like a utility that, uh, that and, and perhaps needs to be regulated in such a way. I'm not in favor of that, or, or to be maybe somehow turned into some sort of public good or, or taken over by government, for example. And, and I'm not in favor of that simply because I can't imagine would it improve things if, if Trump's government had <laughs> had control over Facebook and had control over Twitter, for example. Certainly it makes sense to regulate the heck out of them so that they have to be clear and transparent about what their practices are and to require them to give consumers as much choice as possible about what information is, is collected. I think one thing that, that we might see that uh, that seemed somewhat impossible a while ago is perhaps an ad-free version of Facebook where you you pay for it instead of being presented with with ads they Mm -hmm. would still be they would still be profiling you in order to determine which friends updates to show you etc but uh, but it wouldn't be for advertising purposes but would that really fix the problem because part of the issue with respect to political manipulation has been advertisements but a significant amount has to do with uh, groups and pages that were feeding updates that were essentially misinformation or fake news, whatever you want to call it, uh, that were outside of the, the advertising realm. So there, there certainly are, are multiple dimensions to this, but yeah, Facebook has gotten uh, pretty enormous, and, and as a result, I think they can expect that this is just the, the first taste of the significant scrutiny that their operations are going to face around the world. You know, you talk about the uh, the, the advertising aspect of it and the, the power that that has, the power of suggestion, which we uh, know was transmitted to the political arena, or at least to the to the voters who are going to be active in the political arena. A few weeks ago, I decided I had a little time on my hands, so and I've always been a car aficionado, and I so I went back and I, I went online and I googled a whole bunch of cars that I'd owned from being a kid on forward. Well. What that did was explode, and you can see what's coming, car ad after car ad after car ad after Auto Trader and a whole series. Here, here's, here's seven cars all lined up ready for me to look at. And what it did was eventually, at first it was annoying and then it got interesting. So I thought, you know, they, they placed the hook and they pulled it, I'm out of the water. Yep, and, and online advertising is what makes the Internet free for most people, other than kind of paying your, your cable company for your, for your connection. Uh, but, in fact, you do have some choices, and, and I think this is one of the things that, uh, that's a bit of a challenge. So much of the, of the online advertising stuff happens kind of behind the scenes, and so you don't really uh, – it's not obvious to people how, how it all works. But you'll probably notice that most ads these days uh, have a little triangle on them that refer to uh, something called the Your Ad Choices program. And so they will explain to you, in, in many cases, why you're seeing that ad. But you can also go to youradchoices.com, and there's a, a Canadian equivalent, and you can opt out of targeted advertising. 
you'll still see ads. They won't be as relevant for you, so it won't be that uh, that you'll be seeing a whole bunch of car ads following you around for the next little while. But you do have some some choice about that. But the reality is that, that the reason why Facebook is free is uh, is because of the ads. The reason mm-hmm. why so, so many of the other things we use online uh, is, are free to us is because of those ads. Now, it would be interesting to see what what the model would look like for Facebook to go ad-free, for example, um, and how much uh, how much they would have to get from each user to do that. Um, that would at least give us some insight into how much <laughs> how much money they get from showing these ads to us on a regular basis. Yeah, I just found it really telling that here I was for just maybe an hour, a little while anyway, checking out uh, various cars and uh, that I'd owned and see where they were available if, or if they were still available, and and I was just inundated, inundated for days and days and days with. All sorts of ads for cars, some of most of which I hadn't expressed any interest in. We'll come back with David Fraser. He's an international expert on Internet security and uh, the founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog. He's a partner at McKinnis Cooper in Halifax. And we'll talk more to David about the Internet, about um, security, and about the congressional hearing that Mark Zuckerberg attended for two days. You got the information of 87 million people, 87 million Facebook users being being compromised. The genie, I don't think is, well, I'm not a technically uh, droid person, but seems to me that genie will probably never be shoved back into the bottle and securely corked. We'll come right back. This is the Roy Green Show. When we heard back from Cambridge Analytica that they had told us that they weren't using the data and had deleted it, we considered it a closed case. (coughs) In retrospect, that was clearly a mistake. We shouldn't have taken their word for it, and we've updated our policies and how we're going to operate the company to make sure that we don't make that mistake again. Back with David Fraser, McKenna Cooper in uh, Halifax, his partner, and he is the uh, founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog and one of the world's internet privacy experts. If, uh, if David, we go back to the beginning of Mark Zuckerberg arriving to be present for this congressional hearing for two days, uh, what, what would you, how would you have defined the objective? What would you have wanted to see come out of that, ultimately, in language that people can, lay people can understand, and how much of that was accomplished and how much of it was just completely missed? Well, on, on one hand, I think probably the intent should have been to get as much information as possible about what was going on and what the, what the intent of Facebook is from a, in a big picture that's why you talk to the talk to the CEO. I think also the 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 other purpose was in order to essentially make a, a bit of a spectacle and, and put him put him on the spot. I think that second objective was accomplished. The first one really wasn't, and I think it, it was in part a problem with the just the setup that the congressman or or each one of them only had five minutes for their question and their answer, and we're talking about something that is really quite complicated and something that is really quite nuanced. 
and and one and so often these things don't lend themselves to a five minute exchange on a particular topic, and then you move on to another another questioner. And so in in, in that regard, I, I don't think that uh, that. It, it was it was even set up to be able to accomplish the the, the broad fact finding investigation at least in any sort of deep way. Uh, we we got some information in a, in a relatively superficial manner, however. So what has to what has to happen now? What has to be accomplished now? So we've got the midterm elections coming up. We come back to election uh, affecting elections. We've got our Canadian uh, elections coming up. What has to be accomplished uh, now going forward and fairly quickly? I'm not sure how much will be accomplished globally and how much will be accomplished very, very quickly. So, for example, for in, in Canada, um, the political parties are outside of any, any realm of regulation when it comes to personal information about individuals that they collect, use, or disclose. So there's, there's not anything that's, that is going to put the brakes on that sort of activity uh, as we're looking down the barrel at an Ontario election, a, a federal election in, in the next year. Um, and so I'm, I'm concerned that not a whole lot will change because, on one hand, we're not just dealing with advertising. We're also dealing with uh, other forms of, of communication where you get a, a whole bunch of trolls or a whole bunch of people who uh, may, in fact, be in, in <laughs> boiler rooms in Russia who are sending out stories and then re, rebroadcasting them, retweeting them, reposting them, and, and disseminating. So even if you were to... Uh, put a strong limit on political advertising on these platforms. There are still other ways that uh, that things can be uh, things can be done. Also, in the United States, where Facebook is, of course, headquartered, they have a much stronger sense of freedom of expression than we have in Canada. And so, in Canada, we can have reasonable regulation of of advertising, and we can have reasonable regulation of of political speech. Um, but again, it has to be reasonable. It's, it's much less susceptible to regulation in the United States. So I think Facebook is, is going to be, simply by the nature of being a global company, is going to have to try to adjust its practices for each jurisdiction where it's carrying on business. And, and already it was looking at having to do that because of a significant change in European privacy law that's coming into effect in the next month. Um, but uh, whether or not they can slam on the brakes or make a course correction before the Ontario election, for example, and there are other kind of significant elections that are taking place around the world in the next 12 months. I'm not that optimistic, and I think it will continue to be a -a whack-a-mole sort of of endeavor, but we have seen some progress. So a number of social platforms have uh, implemented uh, algorithms to try to detect kind of bot accounts and troll accounts. Uh, Russia today has been removed from Twitter and from Facebook, I believe, um, for the the kind of dissemination of, uh, of incorrect news. Um, so certainly, I think progress has been made, but is it enough to, to give me confidence that uh, the next Canadian election will not be subject to manipulation? I don't have that confidence. No, and, and then you ask yourself whether all the social media platforms have really drifted away from what the initial intent was for them. Uh, Twitter delivers lots of anger. Uh, reading on Wired uh, magazine, Instagram has more fake news than Donald Trump can tweet about. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's the size of this issue is, is really becoming apparent. David, always great speaking with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure. Anytime. You take care. Bye-bye. David Fraser from McKenna's Cooper in Halifax, privacy law specialist and the founder of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog. Have a look at that. It's really quite fascinating. When we come back, it's Catherine, Linda, and Michelle.